Welcome to Let's Get to Work, a podcast with stories of hope and inspiration for people experiencing blindness and vision loss, as well as those wanting to support us. Brought to you by the Employment Committee of the American Council of the Blind, a place where we talk about all things employment, finding jobs, holding jobs, building careers, and challenging stigmas. Each month will consist of two visually impaired people who have chosen to travel down unique career paths. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get to work. Welcome to the Employment Committee's Let's Get to Work podcast. My name is Peter Altschul, and I am pleased this time to interview Melanie Sonoe about her recent new job that she got. So, uh, Melanie, welcome. Thanks, Peter. So, Melanie, I want to go back to your prior job. Talk about what you did during your prior job. Uh, everything. So uh, I was with a telecommunications company since I was 24. Um, So that was the first, I'd say, major, major job out of college. Um, And I was there for 15 years. Uh, I did everything from starting on the phones as a customer service rep to working for our executive senior leadership. Um, And I spent the last five years uh, as a process engineer, so working on enhancing the customer experience. And what does that mean, enhancing the customer experience? What kinds of things did you do? Yeah, so I did everything from uh, focus groups with customers and employees. Um, you know, when they say that your call is being recorded uh, for quality and training, well, I'm listening to it. Um, and we're gathering uh, data and insights into those experiences to figure out what kind of trouble customers are potentially having or what kind of pain points they're having. And then we work with our internal teams to figure out a plan for how to fix it. So we act kind of like as a kind of like a consultant role to say, this is what's broken. This is how we can fix it. And then we act as a a subject matter expert to help them publish whatever those changes are. So you said you got this job when you were 24 years old. Did I hear that right? At, with the company, yeah. With the company. Okay. Yeah. So talk to me about the process you went through to get that job. You know, you, uh, did you interview? How, how, how did you get that job as, as, as best you can remember? No, absolutely. I love sharing the story because goodwill gets kind of a not so great rap. <laughs> so I had just moved back to California um, and I needed a job with benefits. So I had uh, registered with our vocational rehabilitation department and I got a counselor and she had uh, connected me with a recruiter with Goodwill Industries, which I had no idea was a thing. Um, So this recruiter said, okay, well, you know, there, I was in Orange County um, in Southern California. And she said, there are companies that just are just friendlier to hiring blind and visually impaired um, employees. Um, They've got the infrastructure set up. And so uh, she put me in touch with uh, Verizon and they, uh, I went through the interview process just like anybody else, um, but she got me in the front door. So I walked in the door with them knowing that I had a visual impairment, uh, knowing that I would need accommodations, but I still went through the entire hiring process like normal. And I know this because later on I did those interviews and they were identical. (laughs) So that got me in the front door, but I still had to get the job. Um, But the call center in Irvine was 
the first call center, and I think at that time, they probably had 30 call centers across the country that had two entirely blind and visually impaired customer service teams. So you want to talk about friendly, and they just, they had it. I mean, this was 2007, no, 2008, early 2008. They were already ahead of the game. So that was part of it too, was I get to work for a company that clearly wants to invest in us. So you got this job, you obviously got promoted through the system. And then when was it last September or something, you got the word that you were being laid off. Yeah, that was fun. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit. (laughs) So um, I think it was, it was a Thursday. Um, It was August 4th. Um, I log in and there's a 15 minute meeting on my calendar and those aren't normal. (laughs) So I get on the call and I've been told, and and this is not the first go around I've had with this. Um, This is how I ended up in Arizona from California. Um, But I was a part of a RIF, so a reduction in force. Um, And I had, I was given a severance uh, package and I had the opportunity to apply within for other positions. And if there was anything I even wanted, um, or I could take my severance and go. Um, So I did apply within for a few different things. Um, But mostly it was because I was afraid to leave. Um, Really, that's all I've known is 15 years of the telecom industry. Um, So I did not get the jobs that I had posted for. No problem in the end. Hindsight, no problem. So September 2nd was my last day. And I took a couple of weeks off to kind of regroup and then hit the ground running, trying to figure out how to navigate the employment landscape 15 years later. Things, they have a change. <laughs> so, so talk about some of those changes. I mean, most of us sort of, you know, you, 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 you apply for a job, maybe online, maybe, you know, you send your resume by email, you know, you get the interview, you get hired. Uh, I, I feel like things are, were a little bit different for you. Talk about, uh, you know, how things, how things have changed. Yeah. So I, um, I'm pretty sure these were still around back then. I don't know that it was to the same degree, but, you know, I think monster was there. I think career builder was there back then. Um, so the first thing I did is I went on and I'm like, okay, my resume was pretty up to date, but I had a friend who helped me, thank goodness, fine tune it and really get it with the right words and the right way to optimize it, um, which is something that, you know, AI was not screening your resume 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So having the right words made all the difference in getting even to a bot to have a, a screening interview. Um, no, but before you go any further, talk about the right words. Give an example of how that works in your situation. Yeah. So the right words, uh, the rule of thumb that I have learned, and it did me well, <laughs> was that you almost want to, A, you you have a resume for just about every posting that you have because every job description is different. And that resume is tailored towards your skills in that job position. But kind of the the, the trick, the hack that I was given was use the phrases that are in the job description in your resume, because now what they're searching for are the words and and maybe similar words, but the words that are in that job description, this bot is looking at your resume. And if those don't match, you don't get a, 
you don't get anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> some companies I did get, I were so sorry, but some I didn't. Um, so it was really just very important to have that resume and that cover letter tailored every single time to that job posting. And it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, it paid off, but it was exhausting. Okay. So you, so you had to, you had to make that change. What else happened? Uh, very interesting. So the last time I interviewed, you know, as an external hire, uh, I talked to a live person. Crazy, I know. So this time, uh, two or three different companies uh, sent me a pre-screening interview that was, um, two of them were online. One of them was, I, th- I think, about 10 questions, 10 kind of screening questions where you could write out your response, or you could even record it audibly. The other, which blew my mind, was all through text message. So this bot would ask you questions, and these were very tailored to the position in in this text one. But I'm literally on my phone for 45 minutes typing to a bot. Um, And then they were like, okay, well, you know, so the last thing is, you know, thank you so much. You know, we'll be in touch. Um, One of them did get back in touch with me and I did go through the interview process. Uh, The other two did not, but it was very bizarre. It just was different. I I just couldn't imagine in my wildest dreams that I'd be texting to try to get a job. So do you remember at all what like some of the questions the bot was asking you? For the texting one? Yeah, for the texting one. Yeah, very specific to the job. So they were almost interview questions. Tell me about a time that you had to lead um, a workshop with different, um, you know, different work groups. Mm-hmm. Or tell me about a time that you um, had to start a project and ran into roadblocks. They were they were very star questions, so situation questions. Right. Right. And 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 you 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 uh, typed the answers, right? Or I typed them um, because I was very much afraid of, uh, oh, what do you call it? Um, text to speech, mm-hmm. speech to text, speech to text. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, messing something up, and that's what I, you know, this is my brand, this is my face, this is all you know of me. So if I've got typos, and for me, typing is more accurate than speech to text and then reading it back to make sure it's right. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. So you, so that I, I can't imagine that. I just find that just so bizarre, but how common do you think that is this sort of uh, text to speech, you know, pre-interview? Have you heard other people going through this recently? I haven't. Um, okay. I don't think the text to speech or the text format is necessarily common, but clearly this pre-screening with situational questions it, it is common. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely more common than it used to be. Uh, I really thought the audio one was pretty cool. The audio one was, they gave me 24 hours uh, to re-record as many times as I wanted the answers to these questions. And they were situational. They were, tell us what your compensation, your idea of compensation is, which that was a question we didn't talk about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's in the pre-screen. And so actually one of those, I put in what my range was. And when the recruiter called me to set up the interview, she said, hey, I want to be, be real with you. Our range, our, the top of our range is at the bottom of your range. So here's, here's the range of the actual position. 
are you still interested? Which it wasn't that far of a difference. So I was interested. I went through the interview process, but that's a conversation that even though I've heard that you need to talk about it, I've never had to talk about it. So I had to do some research and learn how to answer my compensation question. Very interesting. Well, and, and what, what I was always taught when I was going through job interviews is you try to not answer the question. You say, you know, I, you know, I, I, this is what the salary range I understand it to be that works for me or some, some language. So I don't give an actual figure, but oh, apparently- there was one that had a box and all you could put in was a number. Really? Okay. So it it is a thing. Now, my answer is, here's my range. This is what I read. Mm -hmm. Put in your range. And for me, it's total compensation. Can I go back to school? What are my promotion options? Do you have a bonus? How's your 401k? What's the map? All of that, Mm -hmm. which I think most of us, when you're past that just hourly rate, you're looking at that overall compensation. Um, But yeah, absolutely to find a range, about a $10,000 range is... I guess what you do now. Interesting. Okay. Well, at least in some jobs, right? At least um, in some. Okay. At least in some. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so talk about the interviews. So you you went through these weird pre-screenings that were sort of new to you. The the bot, the you know, the audio tape, whatever it was that you went through. And what happened next? So I was either sent an email that said, hey, please schedule your interview. And I was able to click on a link and it would give me uh, some applicable dates and times. Uh, There was one where the recruiter actually had reached out, like I mentioned about uh, the salary. And she said, okay, let me, you know, that that works. So we set up a time on the phone. Mm -hmm. I believe they were all Microsoft teams. I think all of my interviews were Microsoft teams, Mm -hmm. which I'm not familiar with. It really wasn't bad, but I did some practicing beforehand just to make sure I didn't hit the wrong button. button. Um, And then the flip side to that too, is that when I was working for Verizon, we, we, we didn't like being on camera. So we weren't on camera a lot. So there was this whole other pressure about Am I looking at the the people, right? Am I looking at the camera? Am I, is my lazy eye being lazy? Am I, is the light right? Cause I, am I squinting? Like, because you, you cannot tell just to look at me face to face to face that I have a visual impairment and very much have a hidden impairment, um, especially in the perfectly lit setting. So uh, it was, an added stress, an added little bit of anxiety that you were, that I was constantly looking at the right place during these interviews, answering my questions. I know my job. I know how to do it. I did a little bit of practice, but it was what we were used to. We were used to these kind of interviews internally. So that was not difficult, Uh, but it was really making sure that my presence that they were seeing was on point. So talk about how your disability fit to all this. You know, you, you mentioned it already, but did you, when did you disclose at all? When did you I, <laughs> I disclosed when I got the job. Okay. <laughs> um, I, because I'm a problem solver and my job is also problem solving. Um, it's very easy for me to say, okay, here's, here's my problem. My problem is I have a visual impairment. Here are the things that I have in place to be able to do my job. Here's what I'd like to get from you. So 
uh, I didn't honestly say anything because it, it doesn't hinder me from doing my job. So I don't ever feel that it's necessary. So when my new boss reached out to me because I had signed my letter of intent, um, I said, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be upfront with you at this point. Um, I, uh, I have a visual impairment. I hope that this, you know, I really hope that you don't see this as my leaving out information. Um, and we had a conversation about being in this kind of limbo where you don't know, you just don't know what's right to do. And so you just make a decision and you hope that you're working with people and you want to work with people that are open to it. Um, she was very open to it. She got right on with uh, their accommodations team to start the ball rolling on getting my Zoom text uh, and getting my hybrid work schedule changed to fully remote and getting my location changed for when. Um, I do have to go into the office, so it is uh, a lot easier of a commute. And so I got hired December 2nd. So when we had that conversation, no, we had that conversation earlier in the week. I got hired December 2nd and uh, Thursday, I think Thursday, I finally got the, the A-OK from everybody that both of those accommodations have been met. I did have to go to my eye doctor and provide documentation. Um, that's not a problem. So there was just a little bit of a, of a process to it. In the meantime, I didn't rush it because I have Windows Magnifier. It works well enough in the short term. So I, I, had, I had backup plans and it was just a matter of going through the, the checkboxes just to make sure that they're consistent. So I want to back up a little bit because uh, you, you, you are, um, you, you're visually impaired. You're not totally blind, correct? You have Correct. quite a bit of work, usable vision. So I I'm do, just... but that depends entirely on the lighting of the room. Well, what I'm thinking about is the is the technology you had to use the 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 you know to do the bot stuff that you had to do. You know, to, to, to uh, that stuff was accessible to you, so you didn't have to disclose, right? It, uh, that was not an issue you had to worry about. Correct. Okay. Uh, I'm just um, and now they were text based, so my gut is that they were accessible. They were a text. They were text and a box. And I know when I hovered it, I saw tags. Mm -hmm. So my gut is that they were pretty darn yeah. accessible. The, the challenge, of course, is, and I'm just thinking about me as a totally blind person. You know, if I were going through this and found some of the stuff not to be accessible, what what would I do? Uh, I don't expect you to answer that question. Well, I, I would have reached out to the recruiter. Well, because we're working with the recruiter the whole time. So at that point, I would have reached out to like one of the companies was um, I was in very close touch with their recruiter and I would have absolutely just reached out. But I'm also if you know me, you know that I don't sit idle. So yeah, no, I, I would have absolutely been knocking down doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I do know you. And, that, and that's important. You got to do some of that. You have, you to, have be to advocate for yourself you and you have, to, have to have solutions. You have to be able to say, well, what about this? Right. Um, or even, you know, I, I haven't experienced, I don't know this. One of the things I said to my boss in the beginning was I've, I've been a guinea pig for 40 years. That, that, that's what we do. We, we get new, we experience different things and we just learn how to adapt. So I've just always been a guinea pig. So throw something at me. Let's try it. I don't know. And if I can help somebody else, that's going to come along that they're going to hire. Fantastic. So talk about, so you got hired in early December yeah. um, and it's been a, uh, about six weeks, approximately, maybe six closer weeks. to two months, six weeks. How, how are things, how have things gone so far? 
fantastic. Uh, so a little of my worry, regardless of my impairment, was being an outsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that I was met with no lip service. Everybody that said, if you need help, come get me. And I come and I came and got them. They, they everybody's been very helpful um, when I've had a problem. So one of the things is I can't see colors. So if you are in the world of business, every chart is color coded, every update is color coded. <laughs> and so I had to have those conversations. Um, one of my, my big boss, he said, you know, I want you to look at this, this PowerPoint deck. Uh, we're going to do a roadshow around the company about what our department does, but I need it in our brand standards and brand standards involve color. And I'm going, oh, how am I going to do this? So I went through our brand standards and what was nice about them at least is that they showed you where in the color box. So there's a box where you're changing text type or fill type with colors in rows and boxes and rows. And it literally said, use this row and use this row. Don't use these rows. I'm like, okay, well, at least I can click on things and make sure they're in the right rows. But what I can't do is tell you if it's clashing. So then I had to have that conversation. And you know, what I like in that too, is that there are mostly many men in this world that are at least partially colorblind. So you don't know if, I mean, I had an executive VP that was colorblind and we, we grayscaled every deck we sent to him. So making it very um, consumable. And I even had people go, oh yeah, my, my, my uncle's colorblind. Okay. Well now you get it. So you get that relationship and you start relating and they relate it to people in their lives and it just, it just works. We just figure out ways to do it. And, and just to um, confirm, you're doing sort of similar tasks to what you were doing before. Same exact job. job, same, same exact, exact job. job, just a different industry. Yeah, industry. And um, how much of this is being done personally versus virtually? Oh, all of it's virtual. Also virtual. So have you had a chance to sort of talk to your colleagues, uh, get to know them a little bit virtually? Oh, and yeah. How is that, and, and how is that different from personal for you, if, if, if at all? It's not. I've been virtual since 2018. And I got to my new team in 2019. And we didn't meet. I think I got hired in. Well, I don't know when I got that position. I got it in 2019. And we worked together for months and months and months. And then we finally went to um, headquarters. We finally all met up for a, a workshop in New Jersey. And that was the first time we had all met each other. Two people knew each other from another role. And so it, it's just not any different to me. Now it does change when you do meet somebody in person after so much time that you're learning each other and you're working together, it, it does take the relationship to the next level. Um, but I think we're all used to being in this virtual world now. And so it's not unfamiliar to be meeting new people and developing those relationships. And we take time to just, um, just BS, just learn about each other. Just, I mean, I was talking to one of my new colleagues and he has game night on Friday night and we have game night on Friday night. And then we started talking about the games that we play. So, you know, one of the things I've always said, and this is why I love my job is I love connecting with people that we have something in common with every single human being on this planet. And it might just be that your hair is brown. But once you find that common ground, everything everything just works. That's my experience. No, I think that's I think it's exactly right. That's one of the ways you address conflict. You know, you start with what you agree upon and find those common uh, uh, things you 
have similar experiences or values, and then you and then you build from there. That's yep. you know that's conflict resolution or management one hundred one point three. So in closing, uh, what advice would you give to uh, the the prospective job seeker, given given what you just went through? I would say, I'd say a couple of things. It's hard and you have to try to stay as upbeat as you can because you're going to get a lot more no's before you, maybe not before you get yeses, but you're going to get a lot of no's, but you want the right yes. So it's okay if, you know, finances are its own thing, but it's okay to, to turn down an offer. It's okay to apply for 10 and you don't get an interview till the 11th. It's, it's really okay. And as long as you can try to stay upbeat about it and have a plan that says every morning from 10 to 12, I'm going to look at these jobs that I got emails about from LinkedIn and I'm just going to go after it and consistently work your plan. Um, I think it'll pay off. I had some experiences with some networking where I was actually working with people and those didn't even pan out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and they say, I think it's, I think it's 80, 75 or 80% of jobs you get the, you get at least in the front door because of who, you know, not so that you get the job, but those didn't do me any good. This was just a cold. I got a, a, I think an indeed email. It said this posting was open. I applied for it, went through the process and I got the offer. Um, I would also say, make sure your LinkedIn is up to date and focus on your resume. Even if you're employed now, get your resume always up to date because you don't know when tomorrow you might lose your job. And so that day, my resume was at least up to date enough that I could click the buttons and turn on LinkedIn and Indeed and um, whatever the other one is I did and at least start the ball rolling. Um, But the words in it are so important. And like I said, it's exhausting. But if you can keep tailoring that resume towards the job that you're applying for, you have a better chance of at least getting the pre-screener or, or even just the first interview, at least getting in the front door. Well, it's but, it's, but it's screen, a merit. Right? It's, it, it's a pre-bot screen. It's not a person screening these things anymore. It's a bot. Nope. Right. Unless it's a smaller company, which, right. you know, I did have some, I had some friends that gave me referrals and they, and that was supposed to put me to the top of somebody's eyeball list. And I don't think it worked, but I don't know. <laughs> sure. um, but I, but just keep in mind, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. And you just got to keep pushing at it. Well, Mel, uh, Melanie, congratulations. I hope you have Thank a, you. as much success at this current job as you had your prior one. Uh, and we look, we look forward to working with you in the future. I appreciate it, Peter. You've been listening to Let's Get to Work, a podcast from the Employment Committee at the American Council of the Blind. Have questions, episode ideas, or feedback? Feel free to email Brooke Jostet, the committee chair, at B-R-O-O-K-E underscore J-O-S-T-A-D at Comcast.net. Until next time, 